0: Welcome to the Way Niagara Podcast. I'm your host Jordan Berta. We also have Chris and Steve here today. We are going to just be having a fun conversation, continuing on with our study in the book of James in chapter 3. But before that, um, Chris has some thoughts that he just wanted to, to just chat through
1: with us as we get started. So Chris, what's on your mind? Yeah, I've been thinking a lot about seasons and we had a discussion a few weeks back here at our Way Church service uh, In the book of Ecclesiastes, you know, that there's a season for everything. And then after that, I had a gentleman in our congregation come up and say, you know, he struggles with seasonal affective disorder where, you know, as it gets darker and the sunlight's hours are are less frequent, it really affects his overall depression. And, um, yeah, I just wanted to talk about that. Specifically... Uh, you know, how you're feeling with the seasons changing, because I know all three of us are wired very differently from each other. So like, just where are you at in that journey there, Steve?
2: Yeah, this time of year is actually really exciting for me. Uh, It's part of my bipolar. I tend to hit Thanksgiving and Thanksgiving is a launching point for me. I often Mm. go into mania where I have Thanksgiving and that's exciting. And October also has my wife's birthday. So that's exciting. And there's Halloween, which my kids really enjoy. And that's exciting. And then we jump into November, which has my birthday and that's Mm -hmm. exciting. And then Christmas in December and New Year's right after that, it's just a constant run of the excitement of mania. Mm. And then January hits. Yes. And the depression starts to sneak in. Yep, and you know it's really easy for me to fall into the patterns of it. it feels like laziness at first, where it's I don't want to, I don't want to. And then uh, now that I'm medicated, I don't have this the same. But this is winter season can really bring on that. I can't. Mm. The energy's not there. Right. The strength is not there. So that's a struggle that I usually faced heading into you know January, February, March, and then spring hits and everything starts to come to life, and so do I.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So, Jordan, how about you? Well, I think for me, it,
0: from kind of an anxiety perspective, the winter can be really hard because one thing is that I am I'm a planner, and I have an idea of what is going to happen, and so you know whether I'm driving to Burlington for work or. You know Mm. things related to church and the amount of like schedule changes and cancellations and even just wondering like I found myself last year particularly like looking at the weather app Mm. almost obsessively because I'm also a bit nervous driving Mm. and so I can really like anxiety really creeps in when I feel like I've lost control of things that normally I don't have to consider like right now I'm not looking at the weather apps thinking oh how am I going to get home is it going to be okay whatever but in you know I remember last winter coming up here and I have to drive down a hill Mm, to get back to St. Catharines and you know if there's snow and ice you know (laughs) my thoughts are in a different place so I think from an anxiety perspective that really is is hard on me but Hmm. not from a depressed standpoint. I think one thing that COVID helped me do was to learn how to lean in to finding connection and, you know, being uplifted in different ways. Hmm. And so I feel like I've learned in that sense, but I would say the anxiety part, especially in the winter, can be pretty difficult. Now, Chris, how about you?
1: Yeah, I find uh, the hardest season for me is actually more like the summer. Uh, when it's super humid. Now I do love, obviously, the the sunshine and the long days and whatnot. But for me, having come off of having a pulmonary embolism, I actually have days where I have a hard time breathing uh, air that's not uh, air conditioned because of the the, the thickness of the air. Mm-hmm. Uh, so that's kind of the opposite, really, for for you guys. For me, I have sort of an anxiety around like, oh, am I going to be able to go outside and breathe today? Uh, like I've had times where you know I've been. Trying to take on a project, and just the actual physical air—I can't even inhale the same way as I used to. So uh, that's a challenge, and it's—it's it's, um, you know even in crisp winter days, you know my lungs will be sore and whatnot. So it's all just—it's um, all just different. Like, uh, but for me, yeah, those humid days are actually ones that that are more bothersome than than the cold winter nights, as as uh, you know affects others. So. I think we're all wired very differently. And I think that, um, you know, seasons certainly can affect us, affect our mood. I find, um, especially people right now who are dealing with, with anxiety, um, like Jordan and others, like the, even without the sunlight, like it feels like there's less hours in the day. Yeah. Do you know what I mean? So when you see that you kind of unconsciously process the fact that like, I feel like I'm out of time all the time. hmm which is really funny, but like I, it's something I've been picking up even in Jordan, like just the, the, almost like a rush to get things done or like, there's not enough time to accomplish those things. But like the reality is there's still 24 hours in the day, but it's hard sometimes to actually like, you know, when you see the sun go down, it's like, it's six o'clock and you're like, okay, now I need to be getting ready for bed. But actually like, there's still a ton of stuff that you can do. Like I stay up till midnight almost every night. So, you know, um, kind of embracing my inner Gen Z there, but, um, <laughs> you know, like there's a, there's a certain amount of productive productivity that I have between eight o'clock and, and midnight that I don't have, um, uh, that I wouldn't have if I gave up when I got dark at six, right? Like it's, yeah. uh, it's funny how that works. So the opposite of that, like, we've talked about, like, our struggle seasons, like, what season brings out the best in you? And Steve, like, for you,
2: like, it's like, okay, it's the spring, you said, like. Yeah, the spring wakes me up. It, it's almost like my mind's been trapped through the winter. Yeah, through your mind's been hibernating. Minds. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, basically. Yeah. yeah, so as soon as spring hits, I'm not out to fill my belly and make a bunch of babies, but I get that <laughs> renewal feeling.
1: That's good. <laughs> 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 Though I do like filling my belly often, like. I love that concept of like spring is the awakening, right? Like it's yeah. when all of nature's waking up and the green returns and the flowers return and all the creatures uh, return. Uh, yeah, for me, I think I think fall is my favorite because it's like it's just the end of the summer. Yeah, and there's just this like there's this this slowing down in nature. There's this speeding up for everyone who's going back to school and whatnot. So if you're listening to this and you're like, yeah, whatever, the fall is the worst. Well, you're probably a teacher or a kid going to school. But, you know, there's this slowing down that happens. Like, you don't have to cut your grass as frequently. There's not so much going on in the world. It's not so busy. It feels very, like, relaxed. And I like that. I think I'm, uh, I mean, I'm born in the fall. So I guess, uh, you know, it's a wired in preference here. But I feel like the fall just, it's, you start to, nature starts to slow down. So I naturally start to slow down and I start to cast my gaze towards Christmas and going like, you know, that's the ultimate, you know, season. I mean, yeah. just that day <laughs> yeah, yeah. is its own season, right? Or, or the couple weeks leading up to it is like, that's the season I want Christmas all the time. But if I had to choose it's it's fall.
0: Yeah. I would say either spring or fall because I do find like the heat to be a bit overwhelming sometimes in the summer, but mm-hmm. The, I love going for walks. Mm-hmm. My goal this year is to walk all the way, like through the Niagara Parkway, mm-hmm. and that is best done in the spring and the fall. The temperatures are perfect, and well, generally, and and it's also maybe not as busy. Um, summer vacations and all these things can kind of get in the way of routine, but I just love those seasons where it can be calming. And again, dealing with anxiety, I try very much to do things that are calming yeah. and try to create peace and serenity. And mm. and so going for nice long walks in the spring or the fall to me is like one of my favorite things mm. to do.
2: That's interesting that you mentioned that because part of the reason I enjoy uh, that time of year leading up to Christmas it usually starts to freeze up on the river that's right by me. And I Mm. love to go down and just watch when the river freezes over and it warms up a bit and gets to break down. And I just love that I can feel the presence of God in these weird little moments Mm -hmm. where it's like there is so much power behind that rushing water and, you know, he's in control of it. I don't have to worry about it. It's amazing.
0: That's really good. And
2: now we're going to
0: transition into our conversation on the book of James in chapter 3, starting at verse 13. Chris, why don't you read that verse?
1: Yeah, the bold text at the top here says, the wisdom from above. Who among you is wise and understanding? By his good conduct, he should show that his works are done in the gentleness that comes from wisdom. But if you have bitter envy and selfish ambitions in your heart, Don't boast and deny the truth. I think to start off our conversation, we're going to have to define two terms and maybe a bunch more, but we'll start with these two. What does it mean to be wise or to have wisdom?
0: Well, I think for me, it's a matter of the difference between knowledge and wisdom. So if knowledge is information, wisdom is having a a mature perspective on how to use Hmm. that information.
2: Yeah, I looked into it, and what I found, the more that I dove into this, uh, I think wisdom is a practical use of moral reasoning. Mm. What do you guys think on that?
1: Yeah, it's got to be the case. I mean, like, every time you hear someone say you got to be wise, they're always talking about your moral compass or doing the right thing, right? Yep. Yep, I, I agree. So that leads us into de- defining understanding, I guess. Uh, who is wise in understanding? Um, we understand the idea of being wise, but do we understand understanding?
2: <laughs> yeah, actually. So the Greek word that he uses, uh, it means intellect or factual knowledge. Because hmm. well, I didn't well. understand.
1: So you're supposed to use kind of like your moral compass and your factual or gain knowledge. Yeah. To produce what? Well, we're to produce by your good conduct, show that your works are done in gentleness that comes from wisdom. So as I read it, there's a gentleness that comes from kind of having that wisdom, but also having the understanding to apply that wisdom.
2: Yep. And I see that if you look at it individually, I think this line can also be pointing back to love your neighbor as yourself. Mm. If you're coming at it from a perspective of the works being done in gentleness that comes from wisdom, I think that wisdom is heavenly and it's all about loving your neighbor as yourself.
1: Yeah, certainly. And gentleness is kind of the core of loving your neighbor. Yeah.
0: You know, I was having a conversation with someone not too long ago about kind of knowing your audience when you Mm -hmm. are having a conversation and to me it's kind of that difference of maybe hitting someone over the head with some with information versus a compassionate explaining and journeying Mm -hmm. through something even if it's difficult even if it's corrective Mm -hmm. it can be done in a kind way like I've been surrounded by some really good leaders That And the ones that have most impacted my life and the ones that have actually led to more change in my life have been the ones that sought to understand me and sought to communicate in a way that I'll actually listen as opposed to hit you over the head, you're wrong, you're stupid, you're this, you're that. And so what I'm trying to be is that same kind of person where, yeah, even if corrections needed, even if, yeah, there's a real informing of things that needs to happen, to do that in a gentle and kind and Christ-centered manner, I do think it breeds better results. And like the, the common saying that you catch more bees with honey.
1: Yeah. Yeah. yeah and I remember uh, even when I was in seminary, we learned that there was three different types of learners out there, right? You have people that, that learn by being told or being shown, being shown right? You have those that have to like, like they can learn from like reading or whatnot or maybe watching a youtube video in today's age but then you also have people that can only learn by doing like they actually have to try it right like so, so where are you? Someone that can be told that this is how you do it and you do it? Or is it, are you someone that has to be like completely shown like step by step how to do it? Or are you the kind of person that just wants to go in there and figure it out? So I think part of the the concept here is, you know, you have to understand how you learn, but you also have to be gentle and understanding of how your audience learns.
2: Absolutely.
0: And for
1: myself, I don't know what you guys, but
0: I'm one that has to do it. Mm. Right. If something is explained to me. Yeah and I don't actually get to try it, it's not going
1: to last very well. How about you guys? How does that work for you? I'm the same as you, but I got ADHD, so. Yeah, for me, (laughs) as long as it's
2: not visual. Yes. I've even done the tests, I come out pretty balanced, but visual is my weakness. Hand me a YouTube video, make me watch it and try to follow it, that's not happening. Mm. If you can instruct me standing in front of me, I can do that. If you want me to just go at it, I can probably figure it out. But don't don't give me visuals. (laughs) (laughs)
1: Interesting. That's really interesting. Now, here here they're going to move forward into 14 saying, but if you have bitter envy and selfish ambition in your heart, don't boast and deny the truth. Such wisdom does not come from above, but is earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. For where there is envy and selfish ambition, there is disorder and every evil practice what comes to your mind because we we've jumped from knowledge and understanding and being told that there's like a moment in your knowledge and understanding journey where you can transfer from being gentle and wise to being filled with bitter envy and selfish ambition
0: i just think about that person that maybe doesn't know but tries to proclaim that they do Mm. It's that person that's maybe trying to hit you over the head with a baseball bat right? because they're convinced of something, whether or not it is accurate, and they also don't have the wisdom to have the right tone or approach. Mm. And because, well, like, and I've heard people say, like, well, my tone doesn't matter because I'm right. So you just need to take it how I say it because I'm right and it mm-hmm. doesn't matter. Nothing else matters.
1: Yep. Yep. And I think this is kind of like a a situation that we fall into a lot in leadership, especially like there are people who will present themselves as being wise and having all the answers because they want you to believe that they're all knowing and that they're they have some divine connection to to knowledge uh, that goes beyond their own understanding. And, And so they present themselves in a way that's that's very disingenuous, right, because there's some like there's some level of boasting to it, right, or there's some level of like pride that comes from you know, sharing or using those words to kind of manipulate people. And I think that that's where you walk a very dangerous line. And the Bible actually calls it, you know, earthly, unspiritual, and demonic. Yeah. You know, when when you put some, some human uh, selfishness into using wisdom and knowledge. But here's what's really cool. In verse 16, it jumps into the idea that for where there is envy, selfish, ambition, disorder, and every evil practice, in 17, it talks about, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peace-loving, gentle, compliant, full of mercy and good food, fruits, unwavering and without pretense. So we've, we have a concept of, of what it looks like to have disorderly and evil ambition in how we share wisdom and how we compel people with the knowledge and the understanding we have. And now we're shown a way that we're supposed to present our truth and our knowledge and our understanding and our wisdom to people so that they will consume it. It says that, but the wisdom from above, meaning that it comes from God, is first pure. Let's unpack that at first concept, pure. What does it mean to be pure? Completely
2: untainted. Hmm. In this case, I'd say like basically that's great, sinless. That's a
1: great concept you know we live in a in a, a rural setting where there's so much uh, that that you consume that isn't p- pure because it's got all these modifiers to it but then there's these like things like pure raw honey mm-hmm. right and like pure organic raw grain and stuff here like the concept of pure it speaks to something so much deeper than just like, you know, it's, it's natural. It's it, the, the idea of pure is that it's so much better for you.
2: Yeah. It's not just there. It's the best. Yeah. It's
1: unmodified and untouched by humans Yeah, in, in a way, which I think is like really the concept here is that it's purity is, is a godly concept untouched by humans, you know, selfish ambitions and evil dis- disorderly and, and evil practices. And that's what is first pure about wisdom that comes from above. Yep. Secondly, let's unpack the concept of that your wisdom will be peace-loving. Because sometimes I feel like, you know, I, I see these people out there, these teachers, preachers, evangelists, call them whatever they want, and they have this, like, really hostile version of, like, you shoulds. Yeah. Do you know what I'm saying? Mm-hmm. I think we're starting to see something here. That when we use godly wisdom and what could be godly wisdom, knowledge, and understanding, and we start to apply it to like our own selfish ambitions, we start to really like polarize people. Yeah. And that's where I think we walk a dangerous line as church leaders, is that the pureness of it shouldn't be polarizing. I mean, other than good and bad and right and wrong... The goodness of what we're we're, 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 we're we're imparting upon the people that are are willing to hear, is is pure. It's good. It's solid.
2: Yeah, it's beautiful. And like one of the things I was looking at is when he's talking about uh, for where there is envy and self ambition and disorder and every evil practice. As I was going through that, I I really see those defining earthly wisdom Hmm. where the other traits that we're talking about talks about more of a heavenly wisdom
1: yeah and i think it's like i don't think there's a mistake into the order here it goes from purity into peace loving yeah and then into gentle so not only is it supposed to be like an untouched concept it's supposed to represent a peacemaker's heart in a gentle way right yeah yeah, And I think gentleness is something we've already talked about in this podcast. We don't have to get too much into it. But then we jump into a fourth concept. Compliant. Yeah. Oh, Do I have to? Yeah. yeah. <laughs> you know, isn't that an interesting thing? Yeah. Like when godly, heavenly wisdom from above is poured down on you, your natural response to it should be... Compliance. Compliance. I want yeah. this. This is good. I can do this. I can consume this. I can be this. Have you ever had something, like, spoken over to you by another individual that was, you know, done from a best place, I'm sure, but just didn't... When you heard what they said to you, you are like, there's no way that I can comply.
2: That's a great question.
1: Like, have you ever been in, like... I don't know, like a, a church situation or a small group setting or even a work situation where someone says like, hey, I really think you should try this. And you're just like, I, I, I can't do that.
0: I have, but not because it was bad advice, mm-hmm. but because it wasn't right for the season. Interesting. And that person, well-meaning and generally speaking, what they said was actually wise advice, but I knew in my spirit that God gave a different instruction. Wow. And so had that person said that exact same thing at a different time, I may have actually been able to comply with that.
1: But, but, but here's what's crazy. You're not complying with that person in that moment. You were living out this wisdom from above compliance and going, I have wisdom to know that this season isn't the right season. Yeah. And so I'm going to comply with that spiritual leading and not just receive whatever this other thing is um, because I know through the conviction that I have in my relationship with the Holy Spirit that this isn't the time for this wisdom or this knowledge to be to be used. And that is awesome that you brought that up that way. So like that example is, is what it means to be compliant. Like when this, you'll know when the wisdom and knowledge and understanding that line up in the right season, that it's okay to obey and that now is the time to obey and that you'll do it joyfully. Fifth concept of this full of mercy and good fruit.
2: Yeah, that one's really interesting. Mm -hmm. Uh, I really used to struggle with mercy, to be Mm. honest. Uh, Just from a personal perspective, I just found especially in my depression, actually, even in mania. Uh, Either I felt I was above people and, you know, they, whatever to them, Uh, or I was just whatever with everybody else because I'm depressed. I don't care about you. Your problems are your problems. And uh, I love that this is calling out that this wisdom, true heavenly wisdom, comes from a place of mercy. Yeah. And we should be striving to receive that. That's... It's beautiful to see that.
0: And because that's how God gave it to us, as his ambassadors, as his mouthpieces, yeah. in the world, we're called to give it the same way.
2: Yes. Hmm.
1: So the wisdom from above, if you skip all the other parts down to this, if the wisdom of above, from above, is full of mercy and good fruits. So full of wisdom being full of mercy... I think that's a lesson for us that may be hard to process because I feel like half the time we are trying to defend ourselves, our stance. But mercy has an ability to offer a perspective on someone else's stance. Yeah. And that's kind of the beauty of mercy is to just recognize that there might be some guilt or there might be some some wrongdoing and to forgive it. And then it doesn't just say mercy on its own. It says mercy and good fruits, full of mercy, full of good fruits. Yeah. We talk about this a lot at Way. Like, if something's not bearing fruit, that means it's not the season for it, right? So we're yeah. gonna step away from trying it, or we're gonna we're gonna pause continuing that uh, program or ministry, so that we can pour energy and and time and talents. And treasures into something that is bearing fruit, right? And so I recognize that what this is telling us is that wisdom from above starts out in a place of recognizing that there might be some wrongdoing, but also that in that, in that wrongdoing in somebody's season or or life or, or whatever you're, you're speaking into, there is going to be good fruit, mm-hmm. right? So you might look at that soil as being rocky and untamed or or not ready to produce, but with wisdom, there'll be good fruit, you know, because you're bringing mercy to it.
2: Yeah, I, one final thought I have on the fruits. I was thinking about it as you're saying it. One of the things that I find is when I'm trying to assist somebody, work with somebody on something, especially a mental health issue, While I'm waiting for that person to arrive or if there's a dead moment, I pray quickly. Just God, give me wisdom, give me guidance. I I say the same prayers so often. And one of the things that helps me to judge if it is from God or not is when I get something that feels like, okay, this will actually build this person up. Hmm. When I can see something that will actually definitely help someone, you feel that, you know, this is God's guiding. This is clearly a good thing for them.
1: Hmm. Yeah, that's really good. I think to moving into the kind of the next one, like being unwavering, mm-hmm. like you're not showing any type of change, any difference. You're not like the idea of a wave is that it like comes, comes and goes and comes and goes and comes and goes. The wisdom from above is consistent. It's a consistent energy. It's a consistent uh, quality. Is a consistent quantity. And I think that that's something that we have to get used to yeah is if we want wisdom in our life we're going to start walking in more conviction yeah, yeah. right but it's not just conviction for ourselves it's conviction for our communities it's conviction for our circles it's conviction for our church it's conviction for for the people that we're leaning into leading and, deleting. Mm-hmm. and i think that it's really important that we understand that like the wisdom is unwavering, yeah. right? And when we're driving towards building something or we have wisdom, knowledge, and a little understanding of what we want to accomplish that's poured out from, from above, we just go for it, right? And just trust that he's going to continue to provide more wisdom, more knowledge, more understanding as we pursue that, that wise choice, right? Yeah. And finally, without pretense. What does that mean? The wisdom. So if you if you skip everything, but the wisdom from above is without pretense. Well, we know what the idea of pretense is it means there's something leading up to it, right? And
0: so that's what I was saying. Like I was going to say like pure, just the purity of it, that yeah. there isn't all the other trappings about it. It's just the fruit itself Hmm. you don't need so this is going to be weird but i'm thinking about it right now is you have an apple okay and say a candy apple is the one at the pretense nice so you have the fruit and you've added a bunch another layer on top of it okay so i'm just telling you don't eat candy apples I'm <laughs> gonna, now i'm hungry for one yes but uh, that's the, the the thought that i was having was adding
2: something else mm. that is not a part of the fruit. see i love that we see this slightly differently because i love your perspective and what i was thinking when i read this uh so if this is heavenly wisdom this is god wisdom it never changes what is true at the beginning of time is still true today, and it's still continuing to be true. So there can't be a pretense, because this truth has been true since the very beginning.
0: Hmm. That's really good.
1: Hmm. Yeah, it's so good. good I'm going to buy you a candy apple.
2: <laughs>
1: <laughs> what I find about pretense is uh, typically it's a claim that is a little false or, like, self-ambitious, or maybe it's an attempt to make something... Uh, that is not the case appear true, right? Mm -hmm. So when we look at pretense, I find like often this is a way that people use to manipulate other people is that they act like they know and they have all the wisdom and understanding of something, but really it's uh, not true.
2: Everybody's (laughs) learning and growing.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I've run into those people many times that like they, they seem like they should have the answer and they act like they have the answer, but the truth is... There's a little pretense there. Yeah. Absolutely. In verse 18, which is the last verse, says, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. Oh, I love that verse. To me, I think that verse just really sets up what we're going to be discovering in the next chapter in James 4. But, And the fruit of righteousness is sown in peace by those who cultivate peace. I think if you're getting an understanding that we're to be people that take our calling, and this is kind of just to completely wrap James 3 up, the whole chapter of James, we have a calling to be teachers and speak, and, and we have to hold that in high regard. We have to make sure that our tongues are bridled. We have to be peacemakers who seek wisdom, who preach wisdom, who ex- uh, exhort exhort. Wisdom into people, and we have to do it as peacemakers, who sow f- the fruit of righteousness in peace, and cultivate peace. That means what we're doing, what we're we're offering, is to turn other people who might have hostile energies and sow peace into those things to cultivate peace. That's wild, because so often I've I've met preachers and i've talked to other leaders even community leaders and mayors who find that there is an excitement and almost whipping up a a a part of the demographic and not being a peacemaker right they want to gain support from people who are completely riled up and and have you know kind of chaotic energy but what the bible is telling us is we need to be people that bring order right we Mm -hmm. want to be the people that point people towards calmness gentleness self fruits of the spirit right and so when I, when I read my Bible and I know that it's a whole book, right? Everything in the Bible is written for us to learn from. Not about us, but written for us. I can understand this piece of James right now saying, we need to bear peacemaking fruit. Mm-hmm. We need to do it this way, gently. Yeah, And that has to be the goal of everything that we let our crazy little tongue do, <laughs> is to make peace. Amen. All right. Well, and as we
0: are wrapping up here, I just want to say that you know Christmas is coming, and be sure to pay attention to our social media as well as wayniagara.ca just to see all the things that are going on around Christmas. Now, be sure to join us next week on the Way Niagara podcast. Bye for now.